couple of weeks ago, we started a, a new series called Reaching Your Maximum Potential. Reaching Your Maximum Potential. And there's some certain keys that the Lord had given me in prayer uh, regarding this because God wants all of us to reach our full potential. Sometimes other people can see the potential in, ourself, in you that you couldn't see in yourselves. I know when I was uh, in the realm of sports back in when I was a teenager and things like that, there were was, there was certain things that, you know how everybody has different weaknesses and strengths and things like that. But sometimes a coach is able to look out and see the potential that a, that a, that a kid would have for any particular kind of sport, you know. And there are, I believe that there's untapped, and I kept getting this in my heart, that there's untapped potential with, with you and I. And the Lord can just take the lid off and help us to see certain things to lock, unlock that so that we can start tapping into our full potential. Now, the, the thing I want to qualify first and foremost is this. It doesn't matter your age. Okay, let's just, we'll settle that right now. Because a lot of people think that when they reach a certain age that they've experienced everything that they can possibly experience in this world. Not true. Not true. Now, if you pulled the average bass out of the pond and you had an interview with it, hypothetically, and you asked that bass, tell me about your world. He would say, well, there's seaweed and moss and water and a few fish swimming around. But that bass doesn't even realize there's a whole other world out there. Amen. You understand my point? And uh, there, there are things I believe that God is going to lift the lid off of certain things, limitations that we've put on ourselves, you know. Have you ever heard of the term before, flea circus? Anybody heard that flea circus before? Now that term comes from this particular thing, actually a true story, that Back in the days, this is back in the early 1800s, actually, before they had the Bringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. You know, they'd have these, these kind of rinky-dink type circuses that would go through town and, you know, not real professionals, you know. And uh, one of the guys had an act that I heard about. I thought it was kind of interesting. He, he, it was basically, it was a bunch of fleas in a jar, Okay. Now, I'm not sure how he got them in there, but he had like thousands of fleas inside of a jar, you know. And so people are looking at that. You're like, oh, man, I wouldn't want to get around that thing, you know, fleas. And so as people would gather around, he would encourage them to gather around. He would take the lid off, and then people would automatically back up, okay. And to their utter surprise, to their utter surprise, not one flea left the jar, a mason jar, unscrewed it, you know, and the fleas just stayed in there. Okay? And people are scratching their heads. How'd he do that? How, how'd that happen? You know what I'm saying? And so here's how, here's how he trained the fleas. Is that he would put them in a mason jar with a lid on it. And so fleas jump. Okay? They can jump pretty far actually. You know? Kind of nasty. But they can jump, you know. And just ask your dog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and... Um, he said that those fleas would jump up as hard as they could and they would hit their heads on the, root, on, the, on the lid of that jar, okay? And so, boom, they're jumping up. Oh, and every time they jumped, they'd feel pain, okay? And so what happened is, is they began to adjust themselves in their jump height, and so they would only jump so far so that the pain wouldn't be there, Okay? Now go figure this out. And then, and so when he unscrewed the lid, even though the lid was gone, 
They were trained to only jump so far, so they all stayed inside the mason jar. Okay? Now, the moral of the story is this. Jesus Christ has removed the lid from us. And the only limitations that we have are the ones that we impose upon ourselves. Like, well, I was born on the wrong side of the tracks. I was born in the wrong side of the country. I didn't have enough money. All the excuses that people make, you know what I'm saying? I'm, the, I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. All the excuses. But when Jesus came, he removed all the limitations off of us so that we can reach our maximum potential in this life. What are some of the things that have been imposed upon us through the years? One of the things is people's words over us. People say things you're never going to amount to much or you're stupid, you know, or things of that nature. Words that people put upon us when we're growing up. And some of us went through some of that stuff, you know what I mean, where people uh, not even realize that they're doing it, put limitations on you that you're never going to amount to much. You know, don't even think you're going to do that. Don't ever think you're going to live on that side of the town. You know what I'm saying? And so what, these words create pictures and limitations in our minds so that we, we limit ourselves when God has a whole other realm for us. Amen? Now, last week, we began to talk about some of the keys to reaching your full maximum potential. I'll just mention this first key, and then we're going to move on to the second one today. We talked about praying for wisdom. Praying for wisdom is one of the most important things that you and I can do. Now we know that Solomon, we looked at this, and I'm just going to refer to it because of time, but Solomon, the Lord appeared, that was David's son, appeared to Solomon in a dream, and the Lord asked him, he says, what would you like me to do for you? That's a loaded question. Now you remember what happened? He, he asked for, he said, first of all, he said, he said, I'm very fortunate that my father inherited all these people and so forth. He says, he goes, I need wisdom to guide and direct the people that are so great. And, and the Lord said this. He says, because you didn't ask for the life of your enemies or you didn't else ask for wealth or riches, amen, or long life. He says, I'm not only going to give you the wisdom that you need. He goes, I'm going to give you the wealth and the riches that go right along with it. Okay. And, and, you know, Solomon, of course, was the wisest person that ever lived up until the time of Jesus, where Jesus said, a greater than Solomon is here. Amen? And, and Solomon, people came from all over the world, literally, to sit and to hear what he had to say, because he was filled with the spirit of wisdom from Almighty God. Nobody had that kind of wisdom. Okay? And he was also the wealthiest person that ever existed, and God did that for him. Amen? No wonder we read in the book of Proverbs, if you get wisdom, you get everything else with it, okay? But I think it's really important for us, all of us individually, to ask God every single day for the spirit of wisdom. Father, I ask you to give me wisdom today for choices and decisions and, and, and to avoid pitfalls that the enemy tries to set up in our lives. Amen. I look back in my own life, because I know me better than anybody else, that if I had wisdom regarding certain things, I wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that I made. How can you all say the same thing? But you know, at the time, you think that's the right thing to do. It seems like the logical thing to do, you know, make choices, you know. But all of us have made mistakes. We all have, okay? The key is, is to learn from those things and then to grow in wisdom. And don't beat yourself up because you make a mistake. Don't condemn yourself because you make a mistake. We all do. 
There are no perfect people on this earth. They may look like it, but they're not. Okay? But there is one that is perfect. His name is Jesus. And he lives on the inside of us in 1 Corinthians 1.30. says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who has been made unto you, number one, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus has become your wisdom. When you come in Christ, you have the potential to unlock that wisdom. Hallelujah. Now, the wisdom of God is the Word of God. I'll, I'll say that because you cannot help but flip open God's Word, and it's just filled, chock full of the wisdom of God. God's Word has all the wisdom in it for every situation that we face. Okay? Now, the Scripture tells us in Proverbs that wisdom is in, wisdom is in the heart of a man like deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it up. Counsel. It says, counsel is in the heart of man as deep waters, but a man of understanding will draw it up. Okay? So if you're, if you're a child of God, man or woman, you've got Jesus living on the inside of you, you have the potential to tap into God's wisdom for every situation that you face. Actually, wisdom will eliminate frustration. Because when you understand certain things and why certain things happen and why certain things don't happen and you tap into the wisdom of God and you get an answer, boy, you've got peace. Wisdom produces peace, doesn't it? And so the first thing we need to do to reach our maximum potential in life is number one day. This is very practical, but that's where we're at, amen, is to ask for wisdom and really mean it from your heart, Okay. Don't just like flippantly say it, you know. Lord, give me wisdom today. But just say, Lord, from my heart, I'm asking you today, each and every day. We need wisdom for, day, for Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, right? God, give me wisdom today regarding my situation, all right? Now, God will give you wisdom for your job. He'll give you wisdom for your marriage. He'll give you wisdom for your finances. He'll give you wisdom for your physical body, okay? He'll show you things that you never dreamed of. If you inquire of him, if you ask him. Now, he's not obligated to give you wisdom unless you ask him. Because the Bible says, we have not because we ask not. So it's scriptural. We see in the book of James, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let him ask of God for wisdom and it will be granted to him. All right. Now, the second thing I want to talk about today, the second principle in tapping your full potential is to realize this. Here's what you want to put down. Now, remember the first thing is pray for wisdom. Ask for wisdom every day. The second thing is to recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Recognize the role of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we're going to camp on this this morning here. Recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a man named T.L. Osborne. Maybe some of you have heard of him or haven't, but you know he's in heaven now. But many years ago, he had, he had the most powerful miracle meetings and services over in, in Africa. This is before the days of Reinhard Bonnke, where millions of people were coming to the Lord, getting saved, getting healed, getting delivered. As a matter of fact, in one of his crusades, Jesus, right while he's having the crusade, Jesus appears in the clouds. Okay? In a cloud formation, Jesus' face, his beard, his eyes, everything, right while he's having the meeting. Now, that's a sign and a wonder. Amen. Okay? 
You look up and you see a bearded man in the sky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that ain't Muhammad. <laughs> it's Jesus. That's Jesus. And, and so the only thing I, I want to say about T.L. Osborne, I have such respect for him, is that when he uh, first started out, he started out as a flat failure. He went overseas, you know, he felt like God wanted him to go there, and he just flat failed, fell on his face, lost all kind of money, lost everything, okay? He came back a broken man. He said, Lord, what, what is going on here? And one of the things, the keys, and that was, this is what we're going to talk about today, one of the biggest keys to unlocking the supernatural and unlocking your full potential is to realize the God that lives on the inside of you. He knew that mentally, but he needed to get a revelation of that. And then when he came back to the States and got before the Lord and in a state of brokenness, and sometimes, you know, that's a good place to be in a state of brokenness. Because it's in that place where God can meet you and reveal himself to you and show you things that you didn't know before. All right? None of us like that place, right? But it's when we're in a broken place in our lives. I'm telling you, God is near. He's close to you. And he's, he's it's just right around the corner that he can show you exactly what's going on. One of the biggest things he shared was that he realized uh, it, what I'm going to share with you is the reality of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Now you can say, did he know that? Well, he knew that mentally. But see, sometimes even Christians, especially Christians, can know things mentally but not know it in here. We have to know things not just mentally from the mental standpoint. It starts there. But to know in our heart of hearts, my God, my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he made this statement because, you know, in other countries, South America and Africa and other places where false gods exist, you know, and they worship idols and things like that, you know. And we, we saw films where people crawl on their hands and knees in the Philippines, for example, where they crawl on their hands and knees on glass and stone and cut themselves to crawl to a cross to do penance for their sin. Now, isn't that just like the devil? Jesus did that for them. They don't have to do that. But their religion taught them, you, you have to suffer, you have to bleed, you have to pay the price. No, Jesus paid the price. Okay? And he said this, he said, Christianity is the only religion that the God that you worship literally comes to live and indwell on the inside of you. He says, those that worship Muhammad, that's not the case. Those that worship Buddha, that's not the case. I doubt if he would fit. <laughs> okay? Usually a big, big, fat, bald man, you know, Buddha, people worship that thing. Dear God. You know what I'm saying? People, I've known people that have had statues in their house of Buddha. I mean, you want to get rid of that really quick. Okay? But he said the difference between Christianity and every major religion of the world is the God that we worship literally comes to indwell us and live on the inside of us when we accept Him. No other religion can say that. No other creed or doctrine can say that, but Christianity can. God lives in me. Say that. God lives in me. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 
Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm going to t- I want you to see, we're going to look at a couple of scriptures here. They're very familiar scriptures. But listen really carefully. Do not let the familiarity of a scripture lose its impact. Read it as if it's the first time that you ever read the scripture. That's when faith ignites. Okay? So I kind of remember back in the day when I first heard this, I was like, wow, that's pretty, pretty powerful. But Paul the Apostle, by the Holy Spirit, said in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. I'll wait till it comes up here. Know you not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Can you bring that up in the amp? Amplified there, Josh. Let's take a look at this. Do you not, here it is, do you not discern and understand that the whole church at Corinth are God's temple, His sanctuary, and that God's Spirit has His permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you collectively as a church and also individually? I like that. Amen? Say, my body body is is God's temple. Now, we're talking about keys to unlocking your divine potential that you have. Okay? Now, God never intended that you live one single day of your life on earth after you're saved. He never intended that you live another day of your life just on your own strength. That's not God's will. He intends that every single day that your reliance, that our reliance be so heavy upon Him for life, for decisions, for everything that we face in this life to realize that we're not just kind of hoofing it through life. You know what I'm saying? On our own. God is on the inside of us. Sometimes we, we make statements, for example, it's not just about us serving God. There's been sermons about serving God. We serve God. And that's, there's a certain truth to that. But here's what we have to understand. It's actually God serving through us. It's not just us serving. It's God serving through us. The Bible says it's God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Praise God. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Hallelujah. Now stop and ponder that for a minute. Stop and think about that for a minute. How does that change your life? How will that change your life when you, when you analyze that and think about that? And meditate on it. Now I can't look inside me. I can't look down and say, well, there's God there. I see Him. You know what I'm saying? And we'll see here, there's another scripture that says Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Okay? Now you have inward parts, you have a heart, you have a brain, but you can't see it. You have kidneys, you have a liver, you have inward parts, right? If you didn't, you wouldn't be here. All right? But you know, do you ever notice, you've never seen it before. Maybe a surgeon has, but you haven't seen it. Okay? And you have all these inward parts that, are, that, that help you to live in this life, right, physically. But yet you have never seen it. You can't deny the fact that it's not there just because you haven't seen it. 
There's air in this room right now. We know that. There's oxygen in this room. Your physical eyes can't see it. There's radio waves, different kind of electronic waves going through this room right now. I got a, I got a microphone that's a, a wireless microphone, which I, I like a lot. You can move all around the room. You can go out in the hallway and talk, and you'd still hear it. Well, that's an unseen connection. We don't deny that. We understand that. We recognize that, right? But the original unseen connection is Jesus Christ through the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you. Hallelujah. I think we will see more miracles than we've ever seen before individually and collectively when we begin to acknowledge and just say it over and over and over again. My body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Was it Smith Wigglesworth? Which we, we talk about him, you know, lived back in the 1800s, early 1900s. And, and historically documented cases where 24 people were raised from the dead. I'm talking graveyard dead in the casket. Were raised from the dead under his ministry. He knew some things that the average folk didn't know. Okay? But my understanding is, is he would look like John G. Lake would do the same thing. They would look into the mirror and it was like the Holy Spirit would direct them. And they'd look in the mirror John G. Lake would do that. He said, do you see that man in the suit of clothes right there? And he's looking at himself in the mirror. He said, God lives in that man. Now, people would, if they would see that, say, he's crazy. What's he doing? He's talking to himself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. No, he's speaking to his spirit man. He's looking right at himself in the mirror. He said, God, see that man in that suit of clothes? God lives on the inside of you. You and I can do the same thing. Amen. Amen. I remember years ago, back when I was probably 20 years old, 21 years old, and I started getting a hold of some of this stuff, I started acting this out. I would look in the mirror of my car. And I felt a little goofy at first doing it because I wasn't used to it. Sometimes we've got to break barriers in our own lives, amen? Say, like, come on, let's get out of this little mess that we're in right here, you know? I'll be honest, I used to look in the mirror and I'd say, hey, God lives. Because I heard other people doing it. I thought, it's good for them. It's good for me too. I said, hey, God lives on the inside of you. And I kind of batimized a little bit, you know. I said, yeah, you. God lives on the inside of you. God lives on the inside of you. Your body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you what, it changed my life. It changed my life as a young teenager in my early 20s. It's transformed the way I thought about myself because it's no longer I that lives. Remember Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer I that lives. Amen. There's a, there's a translation of the Bible called the distilled translation. Not sure what that's all about. But it says, I, I, it basically says this. I learned this from Mark Hankins' ministry. You know, he's got that, that book with all the different translation scriptures, you know. And he says, it's, we're, we're enjoying a second existence, and it's this. It's no longer I that lives, but it's simply Jesus using our physical bodies. I get that. It's a second existence that we have. It's Jesus using our bodies. Now, see, I remember things that I used to do before I was saved. How many of y'all remember things you did before you were saved? Before I came to Jesus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. Boy, I needed a Savior. I needed saved. And uh, 
that when I, when I came to the cross, I came to, to a point in my life where I said somebody presented the gospel to me, you know, and I remember even being under conviction, but I didn't know what it was. I remember Billy Graham, for example, would be on television, you know, and this is back in the days when they only had the six major channels on TV, you know what I'm saying? And Billy Graham would have his crusades, you know, and, and uh, I remember sitting there one time and I was flipping channels, you know, and, and uh, here, here, here's a crusade, a Billy Graham crusade. And at the end of the service, he's having people come down to give their hearts to the Lord, you know. And uh, they're singing Just As I Am, you know. And those, remember those old crusades like that? And I'm sitting there and I start crying while I'm watching this. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a teenager. I'm, this is not cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm watching this. I'm seeing this. And I turn the channel. But see, God was even dealing with me back then. I didn't know what it was, but I was, something was touching me. Something was drawn to, to me. But it wasn't until actually somebody came along and presented one-on-one -on -one with me. Don't ever underestimate the power of reaching out to someone, inviting someone to church. Okay? I was really, back in the day, I was extremely shy and backwards. But you know, when I got, when I got hold of God, I just felt everybody needed what I needed. Okay, and this church that I was going to—that's where I met my lovely wife—and and they had wooden pews. It was an old Baptist church that they rented. You know, this little tiny church. It only sat about hundred people max. And uh, and I started inviting people. And before before long, I began to look down the road, and I thought, my goodness! I said, I'm responsible for an entire row of people that came to church and gave their hearts. Some of them were relatives too. So what would happen was, is I would invite somebody, they would come, they would get touched by God in the service. We need to get back to that. Amen. We need to start really thinking about who we can bring, who we can invite. It's not just for us. It is for us, but it's more for, it's for the world. Amen. And there are people that are perishing that don't have the knowledge of God. And I was like, oh my goodness. I invited my, my, uh, my one aunt, my dad's sister. She came, she got saved. Before you know it, she's inviting a whole bunch of people they came and you could see the domino effect how it happened okay that's when it was really exciting because you never knew who on, on any given Sunday who somebody was going to bring and then they gave their hearts to Christ you know but what we what we want to get back in the, the reality the mindset of and someone says well what if they turn me down so what invite somebody else amen. ask for wisdom ask God to direct your steps amen Praise God. Think about it. Somebody could walk into a service like this on any given Sunday morning. I present the gospel in a way that they can receive it. Okay? They give their hearts to the Lord. They have just, they have just come out of spiritual darkness, literally. They were bound for hell, and now they're going to heaven. Now stop and think about that. That's the greatest miracle of all, isn't it? Hallelujah. We need to start putting our church, we need to start putting our faith out more and more about reaching out to people more. Yes, we come to church to get fed. We do, but let's bring someone with us. Amen. Hallelujah. You all with me on that? Because the Spirit of God wants to touch people. He wants to reach people. Hallelujah. We got room in this place to break that back wall right there. We can take that back wall out and put another 100 people in here. You can potentially put 200 people in this, 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 these two, three rooms actually. Amen? But it's not about that. It's about people's hearts. It's about people's lives. Amen. 
So we never want to get acclimated to just receiving ourselves. We want to always be thinking about other people. So this is what helped me more than anything else when I was, when I was first saved. See, we have to love people enough to not leave them in the condition that they're in. Did you know hell's a real place? And if you really care for other people, you say, well, they're good friends, but I'm a little nervous sharing the gospel with them. You don't really love them. You don't really love them. Because if they were to leave their bodies and slip off into eternity into a devil's hell, what good did all that do? What good did that, what good did that do? Are you with me now? Amen. I know it's sober to think that way, but if, if I love somebody, when I, was, when I got saved and I had other secular friends in my life, you know, my, my goal was to not to conform to them to become like them. I used to be like them. Okay? That's not going to change anything. My goal was to get, reach down to them and bring them up <coughs> and, and to the praise and to the glory of God. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them came to Jesus. Some of them received the Lord. Amen. I remember one time I was driving home from a, a buddy's of mine. <coughs> middle of the night. It was on a weekend. I remember that. And my friend, I, I led my one good friend to the Lord. We became best friends in high school, in junior high school and high school. And, um, you know, we both were serving the Lord. So we just wanted to see. His name was Jim. And we just wanted to see some of our friends and neighbors and things like that. We wanted to see them come to the Lord. So we began, we began having prayer meetings in this house once a week. Just him and I would get down in his basement, you know, lock the door down there. We'd down there and pray, you know. And, and, and nobody told us how to pray. We just wanted to do it. So we'd get on our knees and we'd pray on his old couch right there, you know. It was kind of a nasty room down there, but we didn't care. We made an altar out of it, you know. And I remember one Friday night, we're, I'm driving home as late at night. From, from my friend's house. And I had to go past another friend's house that lived on a cobble... I don't know if some of the roads in Pittsburgh are still cobblestone. Yeah. Okay, it was a cobblestone street, and you know how they're loud, you know. And I'm driving down, and I went past this friend's house of mine. His name is Pat, okay? And, uh, and it was late, but the, I felt compelled all of a sudden, like the Holy Spirit said, go knock on the door. Pat needs you right now. Then I started, this thought, that was a thought that came to my mind, and I thought, well, it's kind of late. I might wake the family up, you know what I'm saying? And, and uh, so I just did it anyway. I just backed up, you know, and, and uh, I went kind of knocked on the door real softly. He came to the door. His name is Pat, okay, a good friend of mine. He says, Keith, what are you doing here? I says, I says, do you have time to talk? He goes, man, come on down, you know. So we went down in his basement, you know. And I was just thankful that it was the Holy Spirit that was talking to me because I wasn't sure, you know what I mean? And, um, but sometimes you have to walk that out, you know what I mean? Say, what if it wasn't the Holy Spirit? Well, so what? You're not going to hurt nothing. I'd rather try and miss it than not try at all, okay? So we, long story short, we go down in his basement. I remember this like it was yesterday. He, I started talking to him. He talked about how depressed he was. He just felt so horrible and just depressed. And, and I didn't know this, of course. And it was, a, it was a perfect platform. He provided that, the Lord did, by him opening up like that, to present Jesus to him in a way that he could receive it. 
And it was, it was easy as cutting soft butter. That's easy. And I presented Jesus to him, and I ended up praying with him right there in his basement. His bedroom was in the basement, you know. He gave his heart to Jesus right there in his basement. Amen. Amen. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Man, I left there and I thought, oh, God, I could have missed you so, so easily here because I felt like you put this thought in my mind about reaching out to him. But I thought, well, it's too late, you know. Sometimes we just, we reason everything out. Okay? We try to reason out things. But let me tell you something. If there's anybody that the Holy Spirit's after, he's after the lost. Amen. He is after lost. He's after lost sheep. Remember the Bible says about the parable of the lost sheep? Amen? If one goes astray, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Mm -hmm. Then the parable of the, the lost coin, he sweeps the whole house just to look for that one coin. That's all talking about people. People are the most valuable thing in the world. Human beings' lives are the most precious thing to God. Here's another thought while I'm on that. The Bible says you, have not, you and I have not been redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Silver and gold, that's corruptible. He says, we've not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Spirit of God told me one time, he says, Keith, all the money on the earth combined together could not save your soul. Not all the money, all the countries combining their wealth together is not enough money to save one person's life. He goes, but my blood is more precious than silver and gold. I mean, silver and gold has its place, don't get me wrong. But it's not going to redeem someone's soul. But there is something that's priceless. And it's called the blood of Jesus. And, and Jesus' blood was shed for every human being that walked the planet. Even folks that haven't been born yet. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus shed his blood for you before you were even born. He was looking down the road. He was looking down the future. Amen? And so when we understand the value of a human life, not, you know, the, even the Bible says that hell was not created for people. It was created for the devil and his angels. But people do go there, of course, you know, because of wrong choices. You know, God does not send anybody to hell. He doesn't. The only person he ever sent to hell is Jesus. The only person, listen to me, that God ever sent to hell was Jesus. Because he had to go there so that you and I don't have to go there. And the only thing that's holding people out of heaven is rejection of what Jesus did. He already paid the price. He already died, went to hell for three days, suffered torments of hell, and was raised from the dead. And the only thing that hinders us from receiving that is rejecting what Jesus did. That's it. And that's why the Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation? God's not mad. He's not upset at you. He, he paid the price for you. 
Okay? And, and all you have to do is accept the sacrifice that He pray, paid for you. Let's lift our hands and praise Him for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for the sacrifice, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's wrap this up here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You're there in chapter 3. Let's move over real quick here to chapter 6. The spiritual realm is more real than the natural realm. All we're familiar with is the natural realm. We look around, what I, we can see, what we can touch, taste, contact with our five senses. But there's a whole other realm out there called the spirit realm, which is the parent of the natural realm. The spirit realm existed before the natural realm. Okay? Like, for example, in this room right now, if God spiritually opened up your eyes, if He opened up your eyes, you would see myriads of angels in this room right now. Okay? Now, I don't have to see them to believe. I know that they're there. I know that they're there. And just because you grow up doesn't mean you lose your guardian angel. You have an angel that's about 10 foot tall. And you have access to more than that if you need them. Okay? Not just one angel, but you have, there's all myriads of angels. Praise God. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Scripture tells us here, What? Paul says, question mark, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Which you have of God, you are not your own. For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Hmm. Now, think about it. Your body and your spirit belong to God. My body belongs to God. Now, I can choose to do anything I want with my body. I mean, any of, any of you can, right? Any of you could make a choice to do something wrong with your physical body and yield to the wrong spirit. All right? But when you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that'll put the brakes. That'll put the brakes on, on things in your life. There, there are certain things that you, that you won't do. There are certain places that you won't go. And there are certain actions that you won't take when you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say, my body body is the temple temple of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen? Amen. Now that's not like a warning sign there. It just says, what? No, you're not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, if I know that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, there are certain things I just won't do. There are certain places I won't go. Okay? Oh, brother, that sounds like bondage. No, that's freedom. That's freedom. Amen? Now everybody got those bracelets, WWJD? What would Jesus do, you know? You don't actually need a bracelet. You got that in your heart already. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do in this situation? Amen? And that'll just avoid a whole... You don't even have to discuss what it is. That'll just save so much heartache and problems and in your life when you realize 
What would Jesus do in this situation right now? <laughs> and you'll know the answer right away. It'll come right to you. Amen? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, so he says, Know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Now we're talking about unlocking your full potential. Unlocking your full potential. You all with me now? We're almost done here. And the first thing was, pray for wisdom. The second thing is to realize this, that your body is the temple of the Spirit of God. Recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in your life. Praise God. Oh, I'm so glad it's not just Keith walking around. I'm so glad it's not just me here today. Yeah, you see me, but it's more. it's got to be more than just me. Because I recognize me within myself. I have nothing to offer. Zilch, nothing. But I, I'm aware and I realize the fact that God himself through the Holy Ghost lives inside of me and now I can help all kind of people. Because it's not just me, it's God through me. Okay? That, takes, that just strips a person of all the pride because it's not you anyway, it's God in you. <laughs> and that takes the pressure off. Hallelujah. God is on the inside of me. Praise God. So many times I've stood in situations like I've said before and I was baffled. Lord, what do I do? What do I say? This person needs help. But what do I, I don't even know what to say. The first word to say. But somewhere down on the inside of me, I know in my spirit, a peace will come. An idea will come. Words will come. And then I'll know what to do. In a situation. At first you might stand there kind of like, I don't know what to do here. This is kind of freaking me out here. But when you realize that the God that lives on the inside of you has all the answers. You know you're never going to baffle God. Amen. Someone said God never said, uh oh. <laughs> now at the end of the year if you go to your tax man, he says, uh uh oh. <laughs> Or you take a trip to the doctor and he says, uh-oh. That's usually not a good thing. God has never said, uh-oh. That could be a good sermon right there, amen? Because you're never going to baffle God. You're never going to put him in a situation where he's like, you know, we didn't think about this. We need a couple more thousand years to figure this one out. He's got it all figured out. And he knows how to fix your life. He does. You might think, man, I've made so many mistakes. I've made this mistake and that mistake, and one, one mistake led to another mistake, you know, and, and then you're like, oh, I'm stuck with all picking up all the pieces. Listen, God is still merciful. God is merciful. God is love. And yes, we all make mistakes, but He's still there to help us and pick us up and to say, you know what, we're going to do this better this time. We can make it. Okay? And you can turn around and take those mistakes and slap the devil in the face. Amen? Praise God. One more scripture and then we're going to take communion this morning. In uh, 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. Remember the scripture that says... 
out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. This is basically saying the same thing that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and then chapter 6. Now here we're going to see for the third time here. In verse 14 it says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Now notice that the believers called righteousness and the unbelievers called unrighteousness. And what communion has light with darkness. The believers called light. The unbelievers called darkness. Okay? We, we all came out of that, right? And what conquered hath Christ with Belial? Or what part had he that believed with, with an infidel? And I'll look at verse 16. Here's where we'll close here. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Notice that you're called the temple of God. For you are the temple of the living God. For he has said, I will dwell in them. I'll walk in them. I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Say, that's for me. God says, I'm going to dwell in you. I'm going to walk in you. I'll run through you, whatever, you know. I'm going to dwell in the inside of you. I'm going to be your God. You'll be my people. You're the temple of God. Your body is the temple of God. You're righteous. That's all this, but these verses are saying right here. What agreement hath a temple of God with idols? Say this again. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, it won't be hard to get healed when you realize the healer is in there. Glory to God. Glory to God. Yes. Yes. Amen. The healer is already here. He's already inside of us. So when we know that, it's not hard to receive from him. Amen. And sometimes we need healing, right? I needed some last week and I got it. <laughs> Amen. Here comes Jesus, the healer again. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. 